Before you're seated, let's just approach the Lord in prayer this morning, would you? Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your grace to us. We thank you for protecting us from this virus and from those things that are in the air. We're thankful for the revelation of this hour, and we ask that you would open our understanding today to let us recognize our position and who we are in this hour. May your words have preeminence in our hearts and minds. Take complete control of this service to your glory, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated this morning. And we welcome you. Thank you for coming. Billy and Judy, thank you for coming up from the boot hill again. I said it's almost making it a habit. And uh, of course, that's a good habit to have. Amen. Let me see if I can get my tone recognized there. All right. Praise the Lord. See everybody on birthday on vacation. That's, that's fine. That's good. That's all right. Vacations are good. Amen. We welcome those on live stream. I don't know whether they're hooked up this morning or not. I can't see them, but I think that they're there. By faith, I believe that they're there. By faith, I believe He's here. I may not be able to show Him to you as I should. Our eyes may not be able to see Him visibly, but by faith, we believe that He is here. I asked uh, David if he would give us two uh, drawings on the board uh, for visual sake, if we could, uh, we want to speak on this morning, atonement to reconciliation. Now, the atonement is Jesus on Calvary, and the purpose was to bring us to the sevenfold completion or the plan of God for immortality. All right? So, the atonement, Calvary to immortality. And the whole purpose of this ministry, now here's a drawing of the Feast of uh, the Tabernacle in the Wilderness. Now, these two drawings, the tabernacle and the Feast of Israel, are the two main focuses and prophetic pictures that Brother Branham looked at to preach what we call the message of the hour. Now, it's kind of uh, hard on the mind for a Gentile because we have been taught that the feasts belong only to Israel, which is not true. All right? According to the prophet, now remember, here's what we're preaching. According to the prophet, we are resting now under the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the last feast in the seventh month. I should be able to preach a sermon, the three feasts of the seventh month, because in the seventh month there's three feasts, the blowing of trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and Tabernacles, which represents to us the reconciliation of the message of the hour, that we have totally been reconciled to God and declared not guilty. You say, well, we've been through it year and year. Well, I know I stole the watch. But if you believe vindication, the blood absolutely has a way to justify you and make you in the eyes of God as though you never done it. So remember now, those that have accepted the vindication of God's presence here in this hour. That vindication is your point. You turn down vindication, you turn down Christ. All right? If you accept vindication, no matter what your conduct or condition in, you was absolutely placed, sinless, now resting under the revelation in prophetic type. We are now in the Feast of Tabernacles, and Brother Branham said we would be under that feast for 
the millennial reign are a thousand years. There's where the prophet placed you. Okay. If you look at the tabernacle now, or the tent of the tabernacle, the other drawing, David, if you'll put that up there. The holiest of all, we find in there, we're going to find in there three things or four things. It will lead you to Scripture. If you're in the Feast of Tabernacle, which is the seventh or the completion of that prophetic type, the holiest of all is also a prophetic type. From man, the gate into entrance, every one of those things represents something to bring you to the holiest of all or into the perusia or the presence of God himself. Therefore, the presence of God, the hidden manna that lays in the holiest of all, if we feed on it, it will give us immortality. So in that prophetic type, you are now in the holiest of all as far as the allotment of God's word. So positionally placing us in the holiest of all, having received Christ or this message as our mercy seat, not the judgment seat, our mercy seat, we have received mercy, we have tasted of the golden manna in the pot, we are sitting under Aaron's rod, which is a fivefold ministry that absolutely keeps you in the presence of God for immortality. So there's where you are in the types. So Brother Branham used this types here, mostly in his first and second pull, and then he brought us over into the third pull, into the holy stall, showing it was complete. And then he moved to the Feast of uh, Israel. If you put the other drawing up there, David, he moved to the other Feast of Israel. Basically, after the opening of the seven seals, he brought you the shout, which is the trump. He brought you through the Day of Atonement, declaring you never done it placed you in the Feast of Tabernacles and showing us the gospel has now returned back to the Jews. There's where we sit in picture type. So when we read the message, this day the scripture fulfilled, the Feast of the Trumpets, future home, all those after he looked back from atonement, looking back now, he placed you over here already sinless. He placed you as actually the blood of Christ. The body of Christ, meaning the bride is a living tabernacle or the physical manifestation making her Jesus here in flesh. When you see me, you see the Father. Now, Jesus understood that. Now we, by progression, moving through these stages, which covered 2,000 years, we should have come to recognize who we are, where we are, and what day this message is or what day we're living in. Remember, we said over and over, the Jews did not accept the Passover. They did not accept the unleavened bread. They did not accept the uh, resurrection. And they refused to accept Pentecost. Therefore, in about A.D. 60 to 65, somewhere in there, you can count it up, 30 or 40 years after their rejection, Titus overthrew Jerusalem, and the Jews were shut off from that period all the way back until two prophets come to open their eyes again. All right. So for 2,000 years, the church now are, has living under the Feast of Pentecost. That's where we remain. The book of Acts was written. Paul's message was basically a trumpet.
He actually preached the Day of Atonement in the book of Hebrews and the book of Romans. He placed us temporarily, which he did, said he did not know the mystery of the resurrection. That's what he looked for because, all, because it was hid under the seventh seal. That mystery was only reserved for this hour. And God kept it a secret to absolutely place and call a group of people out of darkness into the tabernacles, which means you're changing dwelling places, or it actually speaks of changing bodies. Now, there it is in a nutshell what we're looking at. So, when you look at these quotes in scriptures, keep in mind these types because they're prophetic types. They will be fulfilled in our lives, have been fulfilled, and we are now fulfilling a part of this prophecy, whether we recognize it or not. The great problem of humanity is when the reality of this type comes and manifests itself, we cannot understand or know what's going on and see the physical fulfillment of it before our eyes. Now, if the prophet of God has placed us under the Feast of Tabernacles, that means he had to take us through the Day of Atonement in a type where the sin question is settled once and for all. You're never going to the Feast of Tabernacles as long as the sin question is not settled. You cannot carry sin into the holiest of all. So the ones that go to the Feast of Tabernacles has had their sins atoned for for at least one year in type. Now our sins will atone for forever. The sin question has been settled. We preached on it for a long time. The trumpet... A lot of people in the message understand that Brother Brown was a prophet. That was the trump. They understand a little bit about the seven seals, but they didn't get it because what did they do? They absolutely turned down the perusal of Christ. God is here. And the message for the last few years in the message has been back to Pentecost. In other words, if you can't go forward, you've got to go backward. It's awful quiet. If you go back to Pentecost, what you're saying is you're refusing something that has transpired. And that's the reason you see hundreds and thousands of people begin to follow the sign, believing, brother, well, the cloud wasn't this and that, what more in the bear, and on and on and on and on. And they come to the conclusion that Brother Branham was not vindicated. And if he was not vindicated, they did not have to hear him. If he was vindicated and they didn't hear him, that's the condemnation. So the point comes in this hour just like it did to the Jews. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. They recognized God in human flesh. They said, you can't be him. We know your father. We know your family. We know everything about you. You cannot be God manifest in the flesh. And Jesus said, I am the son of God. I am the Messiah. I am the promised one. Before Moses was or Abraham was, I am. They could not see God manifest in human flesh. That same thing has transpired today. Christ has come down, absolutely duplicated the ministry and steps of Jesus. And we'll see after a while, Revelation 10, 1 to 3 and 4, if you stopped at Pentecost, and Brother Bam said, we've been there for seven Sabbaths or seven church ages, that's been almost 2,000 years, then the progression has stopped. If you stopped at Pentecost for 2,000 years, the progression of the light has stopped. 
Then when the angel comes down according to Revelation 10, 1, he lifts, has an open book, which is you. You're a book, and now it's open. The seals has come off for you and your identity to reveal Christ, who you are, what you are. And now that you are this chosen seed, the representation of Jesus himself. So what is he saying? If you go back to Pentecost, then you have missed something. If Revelation 10, 1 to 7 comes down, and he says, time shall be no longer delayed. That's what the original says. Time shall be no longer. This angel with the open book declares, lift up his hand and swear by him, they swear by no greater, that time shall be no longer delayed. In other words, the progression of his type, his purpose, Pentecost, they stopped. So the plan has to begin again to come to the seven. And it starts with Revelation 10, 7. Are you following now? This is where we believe that we are. So we're looking at what we call atonement to reconciliation. We have a problem to be reconciled to God. Reconciliation, as far as God is concerned, was over at Calvary. Jesus was the answer for sin, period. So God looked through at the earth through the blood and he saw you sinless. Then how can we appropriate the blood? By faith. Faith cometh by hearing. So when the gospel is preached, we're convicted of our heart, as we said last week. We change our mind about God. In other words, something born in every individual does not like authority. We hate authority. We like it for everybody else so I can do what I want to do. See, the question in America today is authority. Why are they burning statues and hitting rocks and painting buildings over and over every night, every night? I'd get tired of hitting the same building every night, every night, every night, screaming and screaming and beating. After 49 nights, I'd get tired just beating on a wall. But they go back every night. They're either getting paid or they're insane. But what are they showing? They're showing anarchy against authority. But that anarchy has now showed its hand because now they're beginning to tear down statues of Jesus and attack the church. This spirit is after the bride. And they'll keep step by step by step until they think they have found us, but we have been slipped into another little room. If you look at the tabernacle, Brother Bam said, I've seen a tent. The tent is an exact picture of the tabernacle in the wilderness, a little room. Everybody said, oh, we've got to have this tent built, and we'll all enter this little room, and we'll come out whole. When you enter into the holiest of all, when you walk out of there, you will be completely whole. You will be immortalized. We're in the holiest of all. We're in what I call the presence or the perusia, the appearing of Christ, our high priest himself. We're looking at the Jesus fulfilling his priestly roles until Redemption or reconciliation has been made to us. 
Our minds must be reconciled to God. Paul said, you're enemies to God in your mind. We don't like order. We don't like God having preeminence over us. We don't like the government tell us what to do. We don't like the church tell us what to do. We don't like our wives or husbands tell us what we do. Children sure doesn't like the parents telling them what to do. So we're born with this nature that we just don't like someone telling us what to do. Can you say a hearty amen for that? So God says, my whole plan is that I'm going to impress upon you. I'm going to persuade you. I am going to manifest myself to you. I'm going to take off the veil of who I am and reveal to you that I am your heavenly father. You are my children, and God's love is going to persuade you to absolutely give him preeminence in your life. There's no law there, period. So, with that sermon in mind, let's go to our text and read a scripture. In Hebrews chapter 9, we want to start. And we probably won't get through all your notes this morning. I, I put too much in the notes, really, to study for myself and you too. But it's there if you want to read and study. We found last week that Paul said in Hebrew, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, that he was given a ministry. Of, well, I'll read it. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. So in plain English, you have been reconciled to God by Jesus Christ. Now, the trouble is the atonement done it, but the atonement didn't finish the reconciliation because we're still enemies of God in our minds. God's part is finished. Reconciliation is on our part. God said it's free. Only believe and you'll have it. And then we argue with God. 2 Corinthians 5, 19, Paul said to wit that God was in Christ, reconciled the world unto himself. So God in Christ, the Son, done it all. Watch, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Did they have it? Yes. Do we have it? Yes. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. In other words, Paul said, God has made atonement. God is the answer for sin. He has made reconciliation by the blood. God wants relationship and fellowship with his family. But we're having trouble with your mind. Because for 4,000 years and 2,000 years under the Jews, you have been taught a legalistic approach to God. Which is called the tabernacle, the feasts, and basically the ceremonial laws that they lived under. Believing now... That if they followed the law, follow the type in the tabernacle, follow the feast. Every year they went to Jerusalem. Three times a year, feast of the tabernacle, they had to go and come back, had to go and come back, bring offerings, whatever more. It was like a church order. They had an order of how they was to worship God. To be what? To be reconciled or to have fellowship with God or to appease God for one year. So the, all the ceremonies, all the law was to what? God laid down a church order that he would accept to make you acceptable to him. But it was only in type. It absolutely done nothing in the heart 
or the mind of the worshiper. It was only prophetic, showing what Christ would do in the reality. So every type, if we could understand it, we could preach every type and show you Jesus Christ the same today, yesterday, forever. If you understand the Feast of Tabernacles, if you understand the Feast of Israel, so seeing their progression, you understand the types in the tabernacle given to Moses, which shows the absolutely uh, worship and ritual in heaven, you would absolutely understand this message and who you are to the very letter. Instead of reading 10,000 quotes every year to try to get you to serve God right, the message people are still trying to approach you using judgment as the motivation for you to serve God. The point being is God has revealed himself as light and invited you to come and dine. If you refuse to come and dine, you're condemned. If you come in, no matter what condition you come in in, you don't have to spend five years trying to get good enough to come into the presence. You come just as I am with the recognition I am in this condition, Lord, and you know better than I am. But since you're calling me, I understand that there must be something inside me called my soul that never has sinned in the first place. It's only my spirit by, under the conditions of my mind that has brought my flesh in this condition now I'm coming for years to bring my soul, to bring my spirit and my body subject to the way that you've seen me before the foundation of the world. Amen. So we're looking at this ministry of reconciliation. And remember, Brother Bram said, I preached what Paul preached. If Paul was given the ministry of reconciliation... Understanding now in the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, especially the book of Ephesians, and his type to the book of Hebrews, which is a beautiful book, hard to understand. He is showing you over and over that sin has been taken care of by God. And your understanding, if your mind would accept God's answer for sin, it would take the influences of sin and rebellion out of your heart whereby you would not have war with God. But if I preach to you the old law and showing you how wicked you are, showing you how weak you are, proving to you that you hadn't made it yet no matter what you do, we can never come to a reconciliation in our mind. Almost every person that goes to church outside of an eternal security Baptist has some kind of inferiority when they come to church knowing that they have not met the mark or they have not been as perfect as they should be. Well, the good news is you can't be. So if I can't be, but I must be, then God must have an answer. So all I have to do is go back to the script, go back to the prescription, to see what God's answer is. And if I got enough common sense, horse sense, if you pick cotton long enough, you'll come to it. To accept God's answer for it. Because if there's an answer, he give you the answer. If there's not an answer, he told you, forget it. If there's a condition, he told you what the condition is. But when he tells you that my grace to the Gentile, 
Since you're heathens with a stick on your back anyway. Come on. Oh, we're sophisticated. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Gentiles were heathens. They didn't have a covenant. They didn't have nothing. So God had to make the uh, Jews je jealous. So he went out here with a bunch of heathens and started giving his grace to them, saving them, giving all the gifts to make the Jews jealous. So when I hear God had a free gift for me, that he looked at me through the blood, sent his only begotten son into the world, that if I would believe I would have my remission of sins, all I had to do was go to the water and confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord, and now I'm made perfect and put in sonship and walk under the authority. Praise God. That's a deal. Amen. Hallelujah. And God sees me as what? A washed, sanctified son and daughter of God. All right, now let's start looking at this ministry, Atonement 2, Reconciliation. Are we totally reconciled to God yet? As long as you've got a law, as long as you've got a condition to be a Christian, to be right with God, you're not reconciled. You must have a revelation of God's grace to you. That the blood was your answer, and there's where you put your faith for salvation and reconciliation. Amen? All right. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1 to 9. We'll just look at the Scripture a little bit and see what the Lord will speak to us. Watch. Paul here now trying to reconcile. Uh, it looks like he was writing to probably Jews that were accustomed with the rituals or the sacrifices and uh, the ceremonies of Israel because he, that's what he speaks of all the way through the book of Hebrews. He said in verse uh, 1, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. So Paul begins to make comparisons now with which he draws between the old covenant and the new covenant in Christ with respect to the services and sacrifices whereby the one and the other was established and confirmed. In other words, he's looking at their rituals, what they done, their approach to God, what was required, their services called worship. He was looking at their approach to God to the approach of God through Christ. Old covenant, new covenant. In other words, he did not uh, condemn or replace or speak down to their procedure, but he only absolutely raised it up to a higher plane, come out to come in. In other words, uh, he absolutely looked at these services that these people went through, their church, just like in the message. We come and we totally believe, we hear a prophet, whatever more, we got confidence, the preacher's telling us this and what more, the seals and all that, and we have confidence that this is true worship. All right, as they went through their priest, brought their lamb, brought their sacrifices, washed the brazen labor, walked through, they had total confidence in their services and in their order that they was being reconciled to God, and if it was done properly, they would be accepted by God. We do the same thing in our, in our way. So Paul's ministry of reconciliation, uh, we're in this letter to the Hebrews especially, he sets forth the comparisons of Israel's prophets, that's where he starts, and Christ. In other words, he compares the prophets to Christ. He compares the angels and Christ. 
Then notice he moves to Moses and Christ, Joshua and Christ, Aaron and Christ. Now, if you're familiar with the message, in first and second pull, church in Israel, all those old sermons, Brother Brown went through this same process over and over. The Hebrew writing, the book of Hebrews he wrote. He goes through these whole types. Brother Branham absolutely looked at the Old Testament types of Israel and showed you how God was dealing with you today. You say, well, I don't see that. Well, this is what he preached. Angels in Christ. Moses in Christ. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. That's a sermon. In other words, he said, now as God dealt with Moses and God was a prophet to them, he's dealing with you the same thing and I am God to you. People say, oh, God forbid. But this is the unfolding of the prophecy. Joshua and Christ. Who is our Joshua today? It's not Joseph. Bless his heart. It's not Joseph. Come on. Our Joshua is the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus Christ in the form of a pillar of fire, which represents God's presence here himself. Where does that put you? No group of people has ever spent any period of time in the presence of God as we are. No people has ever been allotted what we call the Feast of Tabernacles, the changing of the booths, changing of the bodies, in reality. Abraham and Sarah is the perfect type and when it come time for their Feast of Tabernacles, you remember, they come back, and that one year they had a change of booths, which is tabernacle. They had a change of the body going back to youth again, which Brother Bram said. Now remember, he done all that in one year. Showing when the Holy Spirit begins to move, and we understand who we are and what we are in the type. That revelation will begin to move us forward until we express the deity that brought you to this place. That deity is in you called the soul. Your soul is a part of God. If you're a child of God, that soul is a part of God. You mean to tell me I have deity dwelling in me? Absolutely. That soul in you had neither beginning nor end. Now it's in a dwelling place. Born in sin, shaped in it, we find ourselves in flesh under the temptations. But we have already heard from our theophany. Are you following me? When the trumpet sounded, what we call the shout, come out over my people that you be not a part of her plagues, we heard a voice inside the veil telling us to come into the veil to eat or partake of the body word of the Son of Man. All right. So Paul is relating now his ministry of reconciliation, trying to bring their minds over, which he did not accomplish. He said these ordinances were of divine service. In other words, it was their form of worship. Now, every church system has their form of worship. I can't say that we rate an a, a 8 on a 10 or whatever more. We're probably like a 4 on a 10. But we have our form of worship. Other churches have theirs. These servants were the form of worship. 
that God had laid out for them to follow. And as I said, they were absolutely prophetic in type. Now, the prophet laid out in the first and second pull, he laid out church order and doctrine. When I come in, all you heard was how you should dress, how you should come into the church door, how you should conduct yourself in the church, how you should have, what dress you have on, the women, long hair, on all you heard was church order and doctrine. But nobody ever examined why the prophet of God laid out that order. Oh, it was a rule. God didn't lay out a rule. He was showing you a prophetic type. In other words, Brother Brandon was looking at something in the spiritual, trying to lay out an order for us to be reconciled to God, and this was the order that he was bringing us to God in. Can you say amen to that? So everything he told us was a part of the plan to bring us over into the holiest of all or into the Feast of Tabernacles for the body change. You've got to come to the seventh feast in the seventh month for a body change. We are there. We're in that time frame. But there's still a ministry of Aaron's rod over here in this type to complete it. Watch. So the prophetic type for each type absolutely spoke of the tabernacle and the feast. Each one of them spoke to the seventh seal. If we had time, we could take the tabernacle, or we can take the feast and preach the seven seals, lay the seals out in parallel, lay the vials out in parallel, lay the trumps out. All the symbolism in the book of Revelation is laid out in the feast that we can get a complete revelation of what God has done, is doing, and will do. You say, how long will that take? Well, according to us, it would probably take five or ten years to do that. Verse 2. Paul tells it, for there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread. Maybe we could put that tabernacle drawing up there again. Maybe we could look at it. So there he's telling The first, wherein lies the candlestick and the table, right before the altar of incense there, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. So remember now, you had to go behind a veil, through a veil, to get to the holy place. You had to come to the offering. You got to come through the washing of the word, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, enter into where the golden candlesticks is. And the golden candlesticks represented the seven church ages. So for the seven church ages, we were in the holy place. Right there. We did not move into the mystery of Melchizedek are the holiest of all because Paul said they was not able to endure strong meat. Now today we're going to show you that without this strong meat, you've got to go into the holiest of all or you'll be left in the holy place where it's now smoky. It is now dark because the church ages or the candlesticks have gone out and there's no light in the sanctuary. It's dark. Where is the light? 
The light is in the holiest of all, in the outring or the glory of the presence of Almighty God. The only life and light is now in the seventh seal, which is Christ here present, unfolding himself to us as a revelation or a faith. So, the tabernacle made here was Moses. He built it directly as God gave him direction. He said it took 40 what days on the mount. God gave him an exact plan, blueprint, whatever more to come down, and they laid it out uh, step by step. We call this second place the holy place. There's where they find the candlestick, the table, and the showbread, which is the type of the church now in the seventh age, right here. Now remember the message I said before in the other types. People is trying to get you back to the Feast of Pentecost, which is back here in the holy place, still under the church age mentality. If they're preaching back to Pentecost, they have absolutely rejected the opening of the seventh seal, the coming of Christ, Revelation 10, 1. Time is still stopped. They're in darkness. This is the condemnation. Light has come. Where was the light? In the evening time. It come to move us out of the holy place into the holiest of all, which is what we call the perusia or the seventh seal, the presence of Almighty God. Now, we find out that basically, as we said before, the Jews rejected the Passover lamb. Are you the one? Then finally come down off the cross and we'll, uh, we'll believe. They failed to see when God come and brought Israel back into their homeland in 1946. That between the restoring of the homeland to the two prophets to absolutely bring the atonement and reconciliation... That in between those, there was a mystery of the coming of the Son of Man, Revelation 10, 1 to 7, to bring a group called the Bride of Jesus Christ into the wedding supper or an invisible union with Himself. There's where we have trouble in the message. The coming of the Son of Man to make an invisible union to make you and Jesus the Word one. We're still looking at the word over here as some abstract something that we're trying to understand. And you have become the word by receiving that this is you. When you look in the mirror and cannot see yourself in the scripture, Brother Bram said you're not looking at it correctly. We ought to be able to look in the mirror and say, that's me. All right. So let's, let's move on. I know this is tedious and boring to some, but let's move on watch. If the Jews turned down the Passover lamb, which was Christ, they turned down the feast of first fruits, which was the resurrection of Christ. They went through the whole story. They put a stone in there and tried to keep him buried. But he come forth out of the tomb anyway. And then basically they turned down that he was the one, because they said, if you'll come down, I'll believe you. Then they failed to see the resur resurrection. 
Then when they went to Jerusalem and waited in the upper room for the Holy Ghost to come, when the Holy Ghost fell on them and they come down and they were staggering around like this drunk, they said, what is this that we see? And remember, they were there celebrating the Feast of Pentecost. And Pentecost was absolutely being fulfilled right in front of them. And the scholars and the religious people could not see that that drunk 120 people was Pentecost manifested in its prophetic type. In other words, that 120 people was the literal fulfillment of the Feast of Pentecost that we call the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then we find those few disciples and few believers that received the Holy Ghost turned down Paul to continue in the process of trumpet, gospel trumpet. This is my revelation of Jesus Christ. To bring the atonement in his fullness to them. They went back to circumcision. They went back to sacrifice. They went back to the law. So Paul brought that message of grace to the Gentile. So here the Jews have stopped and the church stopped under the Feast of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. This is what this is all about. If I was long-winded enough this morning, I could take you through 1906 Azusa Street and bring you right back to the steps that the prophet brought us to. But we understand that Israel was blinded that we could be grafted in as a Gentile bride. Now the whole world is blind. Because now under the Feast of Tabernacles, time has moved on forward under the days of the voice of the seventh angel. The word has moved forward in its completion and has delivered the perfect revelation, united in visible union in the marriage to a bride that we have become one with him. Now we're resting for that great translation to the marriage supper. When the hat's on the table and they're burning up California and New York and everywhere else and the world's going to hell in a bread basket and everybody's screaming, 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 he'll slip us right into the resurrection and the rapture and we'll be gone in the world and never miss us. The Feast of Trumpets is what opened to the bride the first fold of the seventh seal, our Feast of Trumpets, the shout that brings us from all the systems to the only provided place of worship, Revelation 18, 1 to 4, come out of her, my people, that you be not partaker of her plagues. So in other words, if you look at the other drawing, David, we will change. I don't mean to change you back and forth, but it's only a type. If you look at the feast now, Revelation 10, 1 to 7, the cloud that most people argue about and turn down. Brother Bram said that was the coming of the Lord. White wig, now he comes as judge. He's coming as judge, but he is also coming showing mercy if you will accept vindication. I put everything on vindication. We tried living good enough. We tried quoting enough. We tried everything we could and couldn't get perfect. Brother Bam said, if you believe that I am he, if you'll take my word for it, if you'll take this message for your deliverance, 
It is your atonement. Take this message for your healing. Thus saith the Lord, you will make it. Do we take his word for it? He said, well, remember now, I got to go back to the Bible. Okay. When the Bible is in the mouth of a man, it is moved now from Rima to Logos, which is life. If I put the Word of God in my mouth, I can read you, uh, so on, so on, so on. But if I put it under my mouth, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and speak it, it's deity speaking. If you receive it, there's deity receiving it. See, we still got this little something in our mind that you're not reconciled to the Word. There's some reserve there. There's something that we're still reserving in our minds. Could be on dress. It could be on hair. It could be on water baptism. It could be on who was Brother Bam. It could be any little thing. But there's something in the mind that's hindering us from taking, thus saith the Lord, taking the grace and the blood covenant that's been manifested to step over here and total, totally trust God for immortality. There's nothing left for anyone to do in the Gentile e economy except, except vindication for your salvation. Weak amen, but that's all right. I hear preachers arguing with that already. Well, you, okay. Let's see how they make it. Vindication is the only thing will identify you and place you in the Feast of Trumpets. Because only a word of a prophet, he's the only one that you'll find that even understands what these types was. I've got all the books. I've got all the commentaries. Pink, Spurgeon, Finney. I've got them all. No one understands atonement and tabernacles. No one. They can tell you a story about it, but they can't tell you what it means. So they have decided in the fundamental church that the feasts of Israel, especially blowing up trumpets, day of atonement, and tabernacles, which you see I took this right out of a commentary, to be fulfilled. They are already fulfilled. That's the problem. They still do not see it fulfilled. They still do not see an answer for sin. They still don't see vindication. Who? I'm talking about people that have heard something, believe God sent a prophet, but won't take, thus saith the Lord. They won't accept vindication. What do you mean vindication? A prophet spoke under inspiration and God came and backed it up, manifesting that what he said was true. Therefore, he said you took God's word for it. You took Jesus' word for it. You took Paul's word for it. Now you must take my word for it or you'll be left out of the economy of God. You say, oh, that's a mighty big statement. Nobody can say that. Well, they said the same thing about Moses. They said the same thing about Elijah. They said the same thing about Jesus, him particularly. 
They got down to 11. One of them was the devil, so they nailed him to the cross and throwed him in a tomb. They said the same thing about Peter, and they said the same thing about Apostle Paul. They said the same thing about Luther, said the same thing about Wesley, said the same thing about the Pentecostal movement. They said tongues was a blaspheme of the Holy Ghost. They turned it down, and, and basically they've been sealed out ever since. And God come in the human flesh to prove to you that his atonement on Calvary was sufficient. That he was raised from the dead for your justification. That you are the righteousness of God by the blood. And he's here proving that his word was true. And all you had to do was say amen. Accept the unconditional blood covenant of the perusia or the presence of God and enter into the tabernacles under a little booth in a little building in a little period of time for the body change. Amen. All right. Now, we have seen the Day of Atonement ourselves, we believe. We also have seen the reappearing of the high priest. There's where we could get into a series of Melchizedek. But we've seen our high priest come in the cloud. I'm just telling you what I believe about it. They're still arguing over the cloud. Well, Brother Branham was in Texas when the cloud appeared, and Brother Branham said I was there, and Brother Branham said I was caught up in the cloud, and Brother Branham said that, and Brother Branham said that, and Brother Branham said, Brother Branham said, we don't believe it. It was a jet airplane gone astray, da da da, rocket, whatever more, whatever more. Whatever you believe, that's fine. To me, I believe exactly what it was. It was the coming of the Lord, clothed in seven angels, as a white wig one, the judge, come down basically. Bringing us the first fold of the, our Feast of Trumpets to bring us into our Day of Atonement. you never done in the first place to put you over here in the rest of God. Amen. Waiting now, fully dressed for the kitchen away. Amen. You say, well, Brother Green, you're not leaving us nothing to do. What else do you want to do? What else do you want to do? I will say with assurance to myself and to you. Now we have people in here that's sick. My wife's got problems. Several people's got problems. If we understand what we're trying to get across and understand who we are and what we are and where we are placed positionally, even understanding our identity as sons and daughters of God, which is what? Atonement has brought you to be reconciled to God. That our healing is in the atonement. What do you mean our healing is in atonement? God has nothing, no anger towards you whatsoever, period. God sees you perfectly sinless before His presence. Do you think God could come down in this building this morning in the condition that we think we are if the blood and the proclamation of our being sinless and perfect wasn't like He said we are? He couldn't come. 
God come down in human flesh, walked among everything else in the world, and was here in the flesh, proving that the atonement 2,000 years ago was sufficient to remove all offenses from his sight. He said, I don't know how I can be justified. I can be forgiven. Karen, y'all want to come a little out of breath this morning, so we'll kind of bring it to a close. People don't understand. They think they go to the altar and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. We'll get to it in the study. If forgiveness is all you got, then that never ends. Forgiveness says, I done it, but I think God will forgive me. Justification means you never done it in the first place. Now, our minds, it's hard to accept that. Because we're still living, one-third of us is still living in corruption or something that's got a problem. If you can see yourself justified before God, then there's no hope, no power, no disease, nothing of darkness can hinder or harm you whatsoever, period. If you understood that you was a little amateur God, how much influence and power do you think the devil has over God? Has absolutely none. In other words, the devil has to bow and say, okay, shut his mouth every time God shows up. And God comes down and tells you that you are an attribute of myself you are as even my son, Jesus. I had to bring him a different way so he could basically pay the price that you know who you are. And I have given you his name, which is my name. And I've given you the authority over every power, disease, and everything else. Because you're not going into my presence sick. You're not going to bring sin in here. You can't bring corruption in here. We'll get to it. Even Aaron's rod and the Holy Saul budded. The manna was placed in there for years and years and never spoiled. Nothing in the presence of God has any problem. And there's where he tells you that you and I are this morning. All right. If the blood is that sufficient and the word is that true and God's plan is already finished, only waiting for you to be reconciled back to him. How are you going to appropriate that blood, that power, that position, that authority to yourself? How are you going to do it? The Bible says I got power in the blood. The Bible said everything in Isaiah I can ask and I shall receive. That's the atonement. How do I appropriate that to myself? Faith. That God's Word means exactly what it says. Now you must bring that over to the seventh month and the three feasts in the seventh month. You're dealing with the trumpet, a prophet. You're dealing with a pillar of fire. And you're dealing with a mercy seat. It either becomes a judgment seat or a mercy seat. 
If you accept vindication, listen, I know this is bold. If you accept vindication, now this is 50 years down the road, and I believe that our time has run out, and God's already went back, going back to the Jews. There'll be a time here pretty soon that there won't be another Gentile come in, period. It's over. We're nearing that time. Because as God dealt with the Jews, He so deals with the Gentiles. And you've got about a 40, 50-year period after they rejected the uh, sign of the Son of Man to Israel was shut out. Look where we're at today then. I think God has stretched our time just a little bit. Because there will be a predestinated bride come in and be reconciled to God. You've got to get the sin question in your mind settled. The sin question was settled as far as you and I was concerned at the opening of the seven seals when we saw the power of the blood to remit sin and that seal called your name. I know this is a little strange this morning. Look, you are a book. Every one of us when we go to the throne or sit on the throne, the books are open. The books is basically you and I. Do you understand that my book was sealed until something opened them. The seals had to be ripped off of the book, you. The veil has to come off of your mind, off of your eyes. Only Christ can do that. Therefore, if you see and hear the trumpet, come and hear the message of the hour, the shout. And the word telling you that you never done it in the first place. And now look forward to the finishing two prophets to Israel. Bringing the atonement to them. Bringing them back to reconciliation. That only places you in the little room. The little tent. The holy of holies. We're in that little room folks. And when you come out of that immortal. There won't be one lame. One sick. One blind, one missing any limbs, one not made perfect for a resurrection and a rapture. That allotment of time, that little small space of time, that little room that we entered into, that's where we sit today. And I think and I pray that God will let us understand where we're at in the symbolism, the types. I know it's hard on our mind. But you and I are fulfilling these prophetic symbols today. We're either left back here. Some has never come in over here. That's the reason last week we preached if you want to get in the place, you've got to repent. You've got to be baptized. You've got to see your face in the brazen labor. You've got to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to enter into the baptism of the Holy Ghost where the golden candlesticks are. And that was the ages. That's already over also. The sevenfold plan of God is finished. We've come to the end. Now we're looking at the chaos of darkness, this gross darkness in the land. You know why so much torment going on? It's because we've come to a total darkness. A total rejection and absence of Christ. Outside of the presence of a small group of people called the bride. 
that little Shekinah glory. They don't know who we are, and they don't know what we are, but they know we're out here somewhere called the church. And they're going to start hunting you church by church until they find you. And the quickest way for them to find you is to open your mouth and begin to declare who we are and where we are in the plan of God. Now, I think it all works out to God. I think the people in the message, the reason they've been quiet and listened and listened and listened, has still been God. Because remember, the message doesn't have any outreach or not make an impact on the world. It's just little groups, little family to family church. We don't make no show. Only thing they know we are is a cult and we can't get along with each other. That's all they know about us. Oh, they're a cult. They listen to tapes and they can't get along with each other. I think God hid us. I think he hid our identity. Like Cain, I'm going to hide you lest any finding you shall slay thee. Now, that's the mark of the beast that way, but there's a mark of God, a seal of God, where he hides us into Christ where nobody can find us except you understand by laying. We've got certain words that we can pick up and understand uh, he's a believer, he's not a believer. But when God anoints you to open your mouth, they're going to find you real quick. Because when we open our mouth, it'll start such an uproar that even Israel will begin to stir and two prophets will come and open their eyes to the atonement and reconciliation to God. What are you saying, Brother Gregory? God's plan of reconciliation is complete for the Gentiles. Now only thing is left for 144,000 to be reconciled to Jesus Christ as the atonement until we enter into the kingdom of God, the millennial reign, and it is coming very, very quickly. Amen? So let's stand this morning. I'm sorry I'm kind of out of breath this morning or a little whatever. I guess age is catching up with me. How many understands that? It doesn't take but a few moments of, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Uh, examination, I guess. Reminiscing. That me and my wife has come to the conclusion that we're old. We said the mirror was lying for 40 years, but the mirror's not lying too much anymore. We're getting tired in our bodies. We're getting tired in our minds. The ministry is taking a toll. Under the yoke, 24-7 takes a toll after a while. You've been outstanding listeners. You've supported us all the way through. We pray for you, and we want every one of you to make it. We want every person in here to receive a revelation of who you are and what you are in Christ. The ministry of reconciliation today is basically trying to get the bride to recognize and confess out of their mouth, which confession only appropriates what's yours to you. How do you get the blood? Right here. How do you get the benefits of Calvary? Right here. How are you reconciled on your part to God? Right here out of your mouth. Because I put a quote in your uh, notes this morning. Salvation is finished. Healing is finished. Everything is finished. The atonement is finished. It's all finished. How? Faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, you mean that's all the church enemy has been about? That's what it's been about. God trying to reconcile his children 
to receive his headship, his fatherhood, his preeminence, his leadership, and most of all, his blessings and his authority as sons and daughters of God. We have absolutely in our hand the title deed to our inheritance. Now, what I'd like to do, if I can, we've done this 40 years ago, and I have to look at it. I'd like to take us through, especially the things in the holiest of all, Aaron's rod, the hidden manna, the two covenants, and the mercy seat. That's all that pertains to us now. And show us by that where we're at and how that pertains to you and I. Because we're absolutely fulfilling the types. You are now in this prophetic type, in the presence of the pillar of fire himself. You are now living under the token or the holiest of holies. I am not interested in going back through the veil to Pentecost. And if I tried to get you to Pentecost, I'm telling you that you're not born again, that you're not elect, and you have not entered into the seventh seal. I'm trying to tell you by symbols and language that may be foreign to your understanding. But I'm asking you, you've got to have trust in somebody. And I'm too old to be motivated by anything else outside of trying to help you understand. But you've got to have trust in someone to listen to the Word of God, follow the instructions. I'm not lordship over you. I'm not trying to put any laws on you. I'm not after your money. I'm after your minds to reconcile to God. Be reconciled to the one that's here. Come to a rest. Quit warring with your weaknesses and your failures. Come and accept Jesus Christ as the atonement for sin. Confess your sins. Identify him in water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins that you may receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the gift of the Holy Ghost today is a revelation of who you are, where you are, and what you are in Christ. We're living under a revelation the sevenfold revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? What we call this message is the unfolding step by step, the seals, the token, the third exodus, the pillar of fire, God's only provided a place of worship, future home, recognize your day, this and more and more. Every message was a step and type of showing you where you are spiritually in the economy of God, and now you are resting in the revelation of Jesus Christ, absolutely, perfectly sinless before Almighty God. If that penetrates your mind, it will take every desire of the world and disobedience to God out of you. How can you look at that and go out of here and say, I'm going to do my own thing? Amen. Let's pray this morning, would you? Father, we believe this morning that there may be some here that are somewhere in this process of your grace. Some may not have ever entered into the outer court, Lord. Never repented, never been baptized. Never understood that Jesus was a sacrifice for sins and never accepted and confessed it before men. That offering and invitation is open today. We can stand in our seat and our hearts shall be open. And whatever we have need of, we can ask. Father, we have need of the salvation of our soul. 
And we have a scripture of Isaiah 53 saying that you was wounded for our transgression and by your stripes you were healed. We can ask for healing of our bodies. We can ask for prosperity. We can ask for sanity of our minds. We can ask for the restoration of our senses, smelling, hearing, seeing, all the weaknesses that an enemy in this world has brought upon us. Thank you, Father, that we come to the statue of a perfect man, that we recognize your presence in this day and hour that we live. Thank you for healing the bodies, the sick, the among us this morning, simply by sitting in the presence of the Word of God. Give glory to thyself. May you witness yourself to every person and every life in here. Bring us to that understanding of our position in Christ. May we all worship you in spirit and in truth. And may we understand and be open to your guidance that we come to this resting place in Christ. Bless each one this morning. Stimulate our hearts and minds. Remove the desire of sin from us. And take this evil conscience out of our being. We thank you for your grace and your goodness. And everybody said amen and amen. What are your plans? Every, oh, every praise to our God. Turn around and shake hands with somebody this morning. Let's give Canada a wave this morning. Thank them for coming to the congregation. Remembers, uh, I think the last, uh, what was it, last year or someone? We had all these books, and uh, I think uh, what's it, John Hagee and all the fundamental preachers began to preach about the blood moons. Remember that? Everybody got so excited about the blood moons. 
little did we realize that the blood moon is basically the bride. How many knows that the moon represents the bride? She's the church. And the sun represents the Son of God. And the prophet said, now when the, the bride becomes the very blood of Jesus Christ, because in her lays the life, so she is the blood moon. What they're telling me is, the bride is now realizing that she is one with him. The marriage has taken place. We're in this little room with the bridegroom drinking of the fourth cup under the fourth light finally seeing each other face to face and soon we'll come out together present ourselves to the world and to Israel for this great marriage journey called the rapture of the church. You say, well, I want to do this, I want to do that. I want to be just exactly where we're at. I'm glad to rest. I'm glad that we're coming to reconciliation of our minds. I'm at peace with God, and God is at peace with me. Amen. How many believes that this morning? Let our confession be so. Let our minds dwell upon it, and you will see something internally inside of you. Without any law, without any effort of your own, you will see something inside of you. Begin to change your thoughts, begin to change your action and your desires. And that inner working of the Holy Spirit, the dynamics of revelation, will begin to transform you, and you won't even know out here that you've absolutely been changed. Because our mind will be upon Him. And soon His thoughts is our thoughts. He's preeminent. Everything else is shut out. And one day I'll look down and I'll be a young man again. Hallelujah. I won't feel nothing. I won't have to pray my way into it. I won't have to work my way into it. I don't have to follow 10 steps to get to it. I am just there. That's just how it is. We find ourselves there. <laughs> Praise be to God. That to me now is what the ministry of Aaron's rod is. Feeding you the revelation of Christ, the body word of the Son of Man, to bring you to peace in your mind and make you one with the Word of God. Amen. I don't understand the scope of it, but I understand that's what God told me. And the ministry of reconciliation is tell you what He told the prophet that I'm telling you. It's a trickle down, I understand that, but it'll work no matter what. I believe and confess we are a part of the bride of Jesus Christ. And I have tried, it took me almost 20 years that I have stopped looking at your failures and your weaknesses, what you do and don't do. I told you almost 10 years ago that I'm not going to beat you over the head no more for what you do.
in here, if you respect the pulpit, you respect the word, you listen reverently, you got no problem with me. You can go out there and you can flip jacks or play corn or whatever you want to do. You're not going to hear from me. But when you come in here and the word gets on to you, that's the word getting on to you. That's not me. Only Christ can help us today. The world is going to burn down around you. America has gone totally insane. You see it every day. They do not have an answer. There is no cure for this virus. Brother Brown said they won't find a cure for it. It'll get worse. We wonder what would shut us down, what would bring the mark of the beast. You see it. They have shut America down faster in three months, 90 days, than it took armies and governments and dictators 200 years to try to get us down. A little virus crippled us in 90 days. And now it's destroying it by the hundreds and by the thousands. It's going to break us economy. It's going to crash the dollar. It's going to bring about a persecution and a rebellion and anarchy through the land. Every city in America, you'll see the smoke and burning going up. But look up, our redemption is nigh. We have a problem. If I didn't have a promise and understand this message, I think I'd just go get a gun, go to the woods, give me a cabin or a cave somewhere, and just wait it out and get out of this insanity. Because I understand preaching. Don't do nothing except to the bride now. And all that does is just encourage her and keep her built up, keep her in spectation, let her patience keep what more, letting her know who she is and whatever more. Just encouraging those that are already in. Amen. So God bless you. Realize who you are, what you are. Our redemption is here. We're sealed in. We're going to make it. Our change is imminent. Can you say amen? God bless you. Thank you for coming. I wish I could preach longer this morning, but the time has run out. And don't have any wind. But we will get to it if the grace of God lets us get to it. Amen. So let's pray. What you think?